This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas in educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. My guest today is Mark Bray, UNESCO Chair Professor in Comparative Education at the University of Hong Kong and the Director of its Comparative Education Research Center. He is also President-Elect of the U.S.-based Comparative and International Education Society. His latest book, co-written with Ora Kuo and Boris Jokic, is entitled Researching Private Supplementary Tutoring, Methodological Lessons from Diverse Cultures. I speak with Professor Bray about researching shadow education and then turn to the annual conference of CIES, which he is currently planning. Mark Bray, welcome to Fresh Ed. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Your newest book is on research methodology uh, in supplementary tutoring or on uh, private supplementary tutoring, which has been a topic of yours for quite some time. Yes. Um, Perhaps to begin, you could explain what shadow education is. Shadow education. We didn't use the word in the title, but shadow education has become a common item of vocabulary. Uh, We're looking at supplemental education, out-of-school, additional classes, usually fee-charging, which parallel the regular lessons. And so it's often called shadow education because it mimics regular schooling. As the curriculum changes in regular schooling, then it changes in the tutorials in parallel to the schooling. So it shadows. So the chemistry lessons that my mother paid for uh, by the Princeton professor because I wasn't doing so well in chemistry class would be shadow education. It certainly would, assuming that it mimics it, copies what was being taught by your chemistry teacher in your school. And what about test preparation? Test preparation, it depends what the test is for. If it's for uh, SATs and so on, that is commonly beyond shadow education because it's different from the school curriculum. Right. Um, So why do people participate in shadow education? Well, around the world we are seeing that people want extra lessons, extra support. There is an increasing feeling that perhaps schooling is not enough, that the students need extra support to help them with their in-school lessons and particularly with the public examinations at the end of the in-school lessons. And how far back is there uh, evidence of shadow education existing? Oh, well, around the world, in different countries, different amounts. It's true that we have seen it in places like Mauritius and Sri Lanka and Japan for decades, even uh, at the beginning of the last century. But it's generally a recent phenomenon that it's reached a significant scale. And so it's something which has grown in the last 10 to 15 years. And when I lived in Hong Kong, I was always amazed to see some of these star tutors, as they're called, on billboards and on the buses for advertising. It just seems like it is such a large phenomenon uh, in a place like Hong Kong. Hong Kong certainly has taken it to an extreme with the commercialization. And indeed, uh, in Hong Kong, our figures say that for grade 12 students, 72% are receiving some sort of shadow education. And so what are the what are some of the the big issues as a researcher um, that you're concerned about uh, with shadow education? 
Well, when it reaches 72%, then we know that it's a really major phenomenon in families' lives, in students' lives. Uh, it's a question then about who's receiving what type of shadow education. Now, Hong Kong is at the extreme end, but even in uh, the United Kingdom and London, we're now seeing figures of 40% elsewhere growing significantly. So then it's uh, a matter of what type of supplemental education is being received by whom, and it's backwash on the school systems and issues of equity and access, because it's pretty obvious that rich families can afford more shadow education and better shadow education. How did you first become interested in the subject? Oh, I started with the issue of costs. I started by looking at systems which pretend to be free of charge. The front door says it's free of charge, but the back door says, where's the money? And there are systems where students feel that they cannot really complete the whole curriculum without getting some sort of supplementary education. And let's turn to your, your newest book, uh, which is entitled Researching Private Supplementary Tutoring, Methodological Lessons from Diverse Cultures. How did you begin to put this book together? This is a book for the research community thinking about researching this topic. And as you have noted, it's published by our Comparative Education Research Center. And so it's looking at different cultures to see how the topic can be researched in these different cultures and at the methods used by researchers, quantitative, qualitative, mixed methods. So what are some of the main findings that um, you've uncovered putting this book together? Well, part of the genesis of the book was our own research in Hong Kong. We had undertaken research in Hong Kong schools. We had prepared instruments. We made them available to researchers around the world. We convened a meeting of researchers who had used these instruments in places as diverse as Jamaica, Malaysia, mainland China, Iran, Dubai, and India. And so partly we were looking methodologically at what happens when an instrument is moved to a different culture. How well does it work? But also we invited then some additional people who were working on this theme from Maldives, from uh, other parts of the world, uh, mainland China and even uh, Eastern Europe from uh, Croatia, Azerbaijan, Bosnia and Herzegovina. So what are some of the, the lessons that you've, um, you've drawn from incorporating or using these, uh, these instruments in diverse cultures? What, what are some of the, in a sense, the tips that you can tell to future researchers? One tip is be careful. Don't just take an instrument and think that just because it works in Hong Kong, it will work similarly in Malaysia, in Iran, in Jamaica. You have to test the instrument, you have to adapt the instrument, and it may miss some of the things that are really important in different contexts. So context is really important. In the book, you do talk about how obtaining access can be quite difficult by many researchers on a system that is perhaps opaque in many countries. Uh, so what, what are some of the, the cases that you have in your book where 
um, researchers had trouble gaining access. You're right that for supplementary tutoring, shadow education, it may be even harder to research than ordinary regular schooling. Uh, if you think about who would be your informants, well, it may be the parents, but parents aren't so easy to access and they may not want to tell you. It may be the students, they may not want to tell you either. If they think that you might be calling it an unfair advantage that they're purchasing, they would be shy about it. The tutors, well, likewise, they also may not be so easy to access. They are not organized like schools, and they may also be sensitive on these matters. So getting to the informants, instilling confidence, building trust, these are among the challenges which are a bit more difficult than researching in regular schooling. Are there any other differences with uh, researching in regular schooling that the supplementary tutoring industry um, tells us about or reveals? Well, certainly you call it an industry. Uh, the span of what we're talking about with the supplementary sector, on the one hand, you've got big companies who are operating as companies. At the other end, you've got university students or others who provide tutoring on an informal basis. So there's a huge range here, much bigger range than schools. Schools, of course, vary. You've got big schools and small schools. You've got good schools. You've got bad schools. But the range within that sector is much more limited than across the range of the supplementary sector. And in the book, you problematize the term private supplementary tutoring and, and you problematize each individual word. Could you tell us why the, the term private and the term supplementary and the, time, the, and the term tutoring are problematic uh, in some cases? Yes, and this again is another basic research starting point that uh, sometimes researchers do not define their terms clearly. They're not even clear for themselves, let alone for the people to whom they are asking questions. So uh, a topic which may seem to be clear actually can lead to confusion. Okay, unpacking each of them, what do we mean by private? Mostly when I use this word, I mean fee-paying. But other people may say it is just work that is done privately. It can be outside the public sphere. It can be a one-to-one -one tutor working in a public library, but perhaps not charging fees. So if a family member helps a child with extra lessons, that can be seen as private. But if one is looking at fees, then that has to be clear to the researcher and to the respondents. Supplementary. Well, what we are seeing, and this is also where the metaphor of shadow education can break down, supplementary means additional to, uh, usually after schooling, but if it's echoing the schooling, it's duplicating, well, that can be a supplement, but it may come before schooling rather than after schooling. Uh, that is to say, sometimes the tutors teach the lessons before the regular school teacher does so. And then this word tutoring. Well, uh, tutoring to many people does mean one-to-one -one or one-to-small group. But in various societies, it can mean large classes, even classes with uh, up to 100 or more than 100. 
So quite what do these words mean and to whom? And this is among the challenges for researchers in this domain. And going forward, what are some future directions you envision for private supplementary tutoring? We're seeing it as an emerging and huge industry, using that word again. Uh, it needs to be investigated at all levels. There's basic statistics, which are not very strong in many countries. Beyond that, one should be looking at the curriculum in tutoring, the extent to which it has a backwash on regular schooling, the pedagogy, the psychology, a whole range of themes, which indeed, insofar as it is a shadow system, all of the things that researchers should look at for regular schooling indeed are mimicked in the shadow sector. So it's a very big domain for research. It seems as if um, one of the biggest issues is, is access, like you mentioned in, in the book, because to research all of those directions that you talk about, researchers are going to need to get into various private industries where they may have no incentive to open their doors. And yes. so, you know, what can researchers do to gain access? What, what sort of lessons have you learned in, in that area? Yes, the access issue to a privately run enterprise is an issue. Public schools usually are open to researchers, though even public schools get a bit tired of researchers sometimes. Uh, researchers in the supplemental sector need to develop relationships, they need to be sensitive to the obstacles of getting into the sector, and so that's also where they have to cultivate relationships of many different types with the big corporations that are running these tutoring industries and at the other end with university students or other informal providers. Let's shift gears here at this point and talk about the Comparative and International Education Society annual conference. Uh, you are the president-elect and are planning, uh, in the midst of planning, the 2016 conference. Can you give us some highlights that you see on the schedule for the conference, the upcoming conference? Oh, well, thank you for shifting gear to this very important event. Uh, yes, listeners may not know much about the CIES. It's the oldest and largest of the professional associations for comparative and international education based in the United States. But this year we are having our conference in Canada, in beautiful Vancouver, and it will be the 60th anniversary for CIS. So that is causing us to have the theme of taking stock and looking forward, thinking about how the field has changed in 60 years, how it will continue to change. Well, our topic of shadow education, supplemental education, is certainly going to be there. It's a topic which was not being researched 60 years ago. It's relatively recently on the agenda, so there will be several panels on this topic and across, across the whole range of what people from around the globe are focusing on. It's going to be a truly international conference, as it always is, with uh, a couple of thousand people, and going to be very exciting. And where can uh, listeners find more information or even perhaps register for the conference? Ah, 
the website as always www.cies2016.org Excellent. Well, we look forward to the conference and Professor Mark Bray, thank you very much for joining Fresh Ed. Thank you. Mark Bray is UNESCO Chair Professor in Comparative Education at the University of Hong Kong. His latest book is entitled Researching Private Supplementary Tutoring, Methodological Lessons from Diverse Cultures. Next week, I'll speak with Ratana Lau about higher education in Thailand. Fresh Ed is brought to you by the Globalization and Education Special Interest Group of the Comparative and International Education Society. If you want to highlight your research on Fresh Ed, please send an email to gesig.cies at gmail.com. Please note that opinions expressed on Fresh Ed are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed, not CIES or the Globalization and Education SIG, which take no institutional positions. Please be sure to like us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Player FM. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.